Hi, I'm Julie Morgenstern, and welcome to Time to Parent, the podcast that will give you more time, less guilt, and deeper joy. This week is all about TEACH. TEACH is the last quadrant in PART, our acronym for raising a human being. And we're going to dig in with a client named Liz. Liz constantly struggled with teaching her kids the importance of putting things away. I work with her this week to solve that problem. First, we need to define teach. Obviously, we all get a formal education in school, but parents are responsible for teaching their kids things to prep them for adulthood. And parents don't just teach life skills like cooking and cleaning, they also teach kids essential values. For instance, learning how to mop a floor is an important skill, but learning why you should mop the floor Why you should value a clean house is just as important, and parents are the ones who teach kids those values. With that in mind, we go to Liz. I want to give a heads up that we had some technical issues this week, so her audio may sound a bit fuzzy. Bear with us for this episode. Hi, my name is Liz Meher, and I've got four kids. I have a daughter who's nine, a boy who's seven, another boy who's four and a half and another boy who is two and I'm a stay at home mom. Um, I used to have my own jewelry business and if I can get organized and get my kids in gear, then I would love to get back to that. When a client comes to me with a specific problem, I always start by asking how they are already or have been trying to solve it. For Liz, I needed to understand how she was already trying to teach her kids about the value of order. Right now, Liz's approach to teaching her kids was kind of like a drill sergeant. I think that I was going about it all the wrong ways. I feel like I felt like I'm the parent, so I need to control this situation, and I need to tell these kids what to do, how it is. And so therefore, I feel like I was constantly getting mad at them, fussing at them, uh, trying to give consequences that would matter to them and trying to get them to clean up when they really just wanted to rebel and didn't want to do it. They wanted to do what they wanted to do because I feel like I, I didn't give them a good reason why they should do it other than I'm yelling at you and you need to do this. Liz had become the big mean mommy in the house, always yelling and always disciplining. Her kids hated this and frankly, Liz hated this too. She wanted to be, in the words of her four and a half year old, happy mommy. Part of this contention was coming from the fact that Liz believed it was her job as the parent to create the systems, and she didn't feel so confident in her ability to do so. Not only that, she also felt it was her job as a parent to make sure her kids honored the systems, but policing them was a hassle she just couldn't sustain. The result? The systems inevitably fell apart. I mean, I've hired organizers to come to the house and then they'll, they'll put the systems in place, but the kids haven't really been on board. It's inevitable that I, I won't be watching all four or you know, one or two will be out or somebody has a play date, they don't put the stuff back, then we lose the order, then they don't know the order and because they, weren't a, they didn't play a part in it, I guess. But I feel like it's just temporary. It's like a Band-Aid that's, that now I, it needs another Band-Aid, but I, but I need to really solve the wound at the issue at hand and not just temporarily fix it for a week or whatever. Even with the help of organizers, Liz still struggled. 
All of this outside help couldn't get at the root of the issue. And that root was that Liz didn't give her kids ownership of the systems. Her kids weren't involved in their creation, so they weren't invested in their maintenance. But Liz didn't know how to create a system on her own. She admits that she never felt like an organized person. And if that's the case, how is she supposed to teach her kids to be organized when she doesn't have that skill herself? I didn't have anything to really give them to teach this lesson. Even though I thought that I did, I, I didn't really. I wasn't giving them any tools for them to actually learn not only how to organize, but also what we're losing because we're, we're so disorganized. And I'm meanwhile exhausted and feeling like a failure and like I can't teach my kids how to live properly. Liz's dilemma is a common one for parents, and it's this. How do we teach our kids essential life skills that we don't ourselves possess? I've been organizing for a long time, and what I see all the time is when parents themselves struggle with disorganization, they feel especially bad when they see their kids being disorganized as well. They feel like they're looking at a reflection at their failings as a parent. But this perspective isn't only incorrect, it's just unhelpful, not productive. Because when parents feel guilt and then react harshly, it stops any learning that might be possible. For Liz, the chaos triggered her feelings of inadequacy as a mom and a teacher. So she'd get upset. And then her agitation would make her kids upset. And when kids' brains are flooded with emotions, no learning happens. Whenever your child, no matter their age, is triggered, right? They're upset, they're frustrated, they're angry. Their right brain is, that's the emotional brain, the reactive brain, the impulsive brain, not the thinking and planning brain, which is your left brain. When they are flooded with emotion, there is no thinking or planning or problem solving. That's Claire Lerner, an expert on child development that I worked with for the Time to Parent book. She's a clinical social worker with a specialty in early childhood development and parenting. Claire has dedicated her career and her practice to helping parents with the social-emotional development of their children, and she just has a way of explaining it that makes it accessible to all of us. And for Claire, what comes before anything else when teaching children is empathy. And it doesn't mean you have to agree with their feeling or agree with their behavior. It's just an acknowledgement of their emotional state and showing empathy for it. Because feelings are never, ever the problem. Feelings just are for all of us, no matter your age, whether you're 2 or you're 99. It's what we do with our feelings that can either be productive and healthy or destructive. And so the first step in learning to manage those emotions is labeling them and acknowledging them. So this gives us a first bit of enlightenment about Liz. Her reactions to her kids not putting their toys away were part of the reason the toys weren't getting put away in the first place. Learning can't happen when emotions are heightened. And in order to calm kids' emotions, you have to connect with them. 
And so it's really important at that juncture when the child starts to protest that the parent is able to take a moment to not be reactive, to think through if it's not life or death, you know, your child's not running into the street and you have time to think it through to decide what is it I want to teach my child in this moment. And if you can come from a place of they're not doing anything wrong, they're not misbehaving, they're just pushing for what they want, and my job is to set the appropriate boundary with tons of love and empathy while remaining calm. This idea of connecting with your kids, of empathizing with their feelings, even when they're unhappy with what you're asking them to do, is what lays the groundwork for teachable moments. Instead of shouting matches, Liz needed to understand why her kids weren't absorbing the values. The next thing Claire explained is that parents think they have to solve their children's problems. They think they have to have all the answers and have to pass those answers on to their kids. But what Claire told me is that actually, that's not the way you should go about teaching. Another pitfall that I find parents fall into also inadvertently is thinking that it's their job to solve their children's problems. You know, a child struggles, we get triggered, we feel uncomfortable about their discomfort, and we just want to take everybody out of their misery. The problem is, is that when we do that, we are inadvertently sending our child the message that we don't think you can solve your own problems, Mm -hmm. and you need me to swoop in and solve those problems for you. So it's just one of those mind shifts that are really important for parents to make, that your job is not to solve your child's problems. Your job is to help your child become a really good problem solver. Isn't that great? Your job is to give your kids the tools they need and the encouragement to be a good problem solver. Your job is not to solve the problem. So for Liz, she felt like she had to have all the answers. She felt like if only she could apply the right technique, the right solution to this problem, then her kids would learn to pick up after themselves. But that's not how it works. Liz needed to engage her kids in this problem to trust that they might have ideas about how to solve it, that they might know how to flip the switch on this disrupted household. After the break, I help Liz hit reset. Before the break, we heard from Liz, a mom who felt like she did a lot of yelling and nagging and not a lot of teaching. And we heard from Claire Lerner, who told us that empathy needs to be at the forefront of all learning moments and that parents shouldn't feel like they have to solve all the problems children face. Essentially, you don't have to know a skill to teach it. You can teach a value, like the value of order, and then learn the skill together with your family. And that's what I coached Liz on. After hearing from her, I suggested she needed to hit reset with her kids. She needed to sit down, have a conversation with her family, identify the issue, and engage everyone in solving the problem together. 
Her family had fallen into a pattern and they needed to come together to get out of this rut. So Liz planned the meeting. And I, and I had so much anxiety, so much stress about it. Like, oh my God, I'm not going to impart enough. And, I, you know, it's not going to be good enough. I'm not going to be able to do this. I mean, just really, I was down on myself and just really nervous. I suggested Liz approach the conversation by simply identifying the problem. She defined it as this. We spend a lot of time arguing over putting things away. Then she asked her kids their take, guiding them with these two fundamental questions. Are you happy with how the house is running? And what is the disorganization and chaos costing you? I have some handy scripts for this type of conversation in the Time to Parent book as well. Liz avoided barging in with solutions and instead took a more empathetic approach. Turns out her kids absolutely felt the stress and frustration, and they weren't happy with the way the house was running either. Yeah, they said, it, it costs us time, Mommy. We don't get to play as much as we want to do. You know, you're, you're always, you know, yelling at us and nagging us to pick up and uh, put things away. And if we were organized, that we could have so much more free time to play cards, to play games, to spend time with you. They were also just as desperate as I was to change our lives for the better. So importantly, the chaos was causing her kids as much stress as it was causing Liz. They understood the value of organization, and they were open to learning and creating new ways to get there. I gave Liz a couple of exercises she could conduct to let her kids experience the value of time saved. All of them hinge on this idea that putting things away immediately is quicker than looking for misplaced items later. I explained to Liz that it's really natural for everybody to sort of drop things and move on to their next activity because they think it's going to take so long to put things away. So I suggested she conduct a couple exercises with her kids to see how long does it really take to put something away versus look for something that has been misplaced. So they started in the kitchen and Liz toured them through the cabinets to show what belongs where. And then they played out a few scenarios. She took out her cell phone, put on the timer, and asked them to put dishes away from the dishwasher. Or my daughter said, oh, it takes, you know, 10 minutes to put dishes back. And I said, no, it doesn't. I said, show me, show me how long, just do it. We did mm -hmm. it and it took about a minute. So oh. I kind of called her on, you know, her own excuses. Liz conducted a few of these teaching exercises to drive home the point that it takes far less time to put things away in the first place than it does to look for misplaced items later. So then she timed them on looking for things in a room that was less organized, the playroom. It took one minute to put things away in the kitchen and over 20 minutes to look for a soccer ball in the playroom and they never even found the soccer ball. So here was an example of like, if we really put things back, we won't have these situations. We'll get rid of this stress. And I think they really rang true for them. As a family, they realized it took a fraction of the time to put things away immediately after using them, and that if every member of the family participated, it would make living in the house and with each other much more easy and peaceful. Then they needed to come up with a system to hold every member of the family accountable. Turns out her kids had a lot of ideas, even her four-and-a-half-year-old, and her nine-year-old daughter started with identifying the chores that needed to be done. Um, she came up with some chore 
cards, maybe about eight. And then I think with the boys, she came up with another four. Um, and then she made a chore chart where I was, I could actually do the stars every week after everybody had had done their chores. So I thought that was really smart of her to think of a foolproof way of, you know, this is to show what what we've achieved in the week and that we did what we were supposed to do. It was so great for Liz that her kids came up with the chores and the chore chart. She was so pleased. But then Liz asked me, well, what if they don't do the chores? I don't want to be the nag. And I said, you shouldn't be the nag. Why don't you ask your kids what the consequences should be if anybody in the family doesn't follow the system? They suggested things like, you know, not being canceling their hot lunch for the week or no treats in their lunch or things like this that really matter to them. So which is fine with me. What's amazing here is that in a relatively short period of time, Liz feels like her whole family dynamic has changed just by engaging her kids. She doesn't feel like the drill sergeant. She feels like the happy mommy. I don't have all the answers. I don't need to put so much pressure on myself. And that if I just engage my kids in the process that we can problem solve together successfully without the frustration, without the stress, and it can bring us closer together. What I want you to take away from this episode is this. If something in your family is not working, If it's causing you stress, it's probably causing your kids stress too. And you don't have to have all the answers for how to solve it. In fact, by engaging your family, you'll get better results in the long run. So create space for your family to discuss the issue. State the family value of solving it and open yourself up to what your kids bring to the table. I think it's so freeing for us as parents who always put so much pressure on ourselves to know it all and impart it all that we don't have to have all of the life skills to teach them to our kids. We can and should be learning right alongside our families. This has been the Time to Parent podcast, and I'm Julie Morgenstern. My new book, also titled Time to Parent, is out now. Buy it wherever you get books or at the link in the show notes. You can find more information on my website, juliemorgenstern.com. If you like the show, please be sure to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you listen. We're looking for questions from you. Do you have questions on how you can balance your time as a parent? Email them to timetoparent at macmillan.com. This show is produced by the perky, smart, and very bright Becky Celestina. Editing help from Alyssa Martino, Alexander Abnos, and Katie Ferguson. Thanks also to my superstar assistant, Tatiana McPartland, who is the wizardress of Julie Morgenstern Enterprises. She keeps us organized so I can keep you organized. See you next week.